1: I don't care what they might say We love Jesus anyway We're all familiar with the victory dance, right? Especially football players in the end zone. What about a victory song? Well, let's talk about that today on The Way of Grace as Pastor Jessica Stan will continue our journey through Judges. It's the victory song, a song that not only Deborah, but Barack sings as well after their victory. Welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand, who continues our look at judges. Deborah is the judge in question today, and our time together will take a look at the song of praise to God that is sung by Deborah and Barak. Join us for this edition of Way of Grace. Here's Pastor Jesse. When you and I find
2: ourselves under point number one, a departure from God, What goes on is that the enemy comes in and everything that comported with and affirmed our identity is taken from us. Like in our text, here's what Deborah's going to say in our text. Watch this. They chose new gods. Then there was war in the gates. Now, where's the gate? The gate is where the rulers are. And the gate is the city square where you come for commerce and food and fellowship. That's where everybody is. But everybody is divided in the gate. There's war in the gates. That's what the text is going to emerge to teach us, is it not? That the people of Israel did not come to fight the Lord's battle because they were worshiping other gods. There's war in the very place where there should have been unity, harmony, and oneness. There's war there. The leaders are at odds with one another. They are prevaricating. They are compromising. And the people love to have it so. In the very place where there should have been more security, in the gate. Because the gate is where you rule. The gate is where judgment is set forth. The gate is where sovereign almighty God entrusts into the lives of leaders, judges, and elders to get his word right. And there is no peace in the gate. There's no peace in the gate. And that's the language. Notice what it says. Was there a shield or spear seen among 40,000 in Israel? Let me help you. No. Why? Because of two reasons. Here are two reasons why. The first reason we know in first Samuel 13, as well as we've stated it before, when the enemy comes in, the first thing he does is kills all of your leaders. He subdues your military people and power and might and takes away your weapons of war every time. That is the historic strategic battle when you subdue a nation and bring it into slavery. You take their weapons of war away. Read it for yourself, 1 Samuel 13. By the time Samuel is the last judge of Israel, some uh, 11, uh, 1500, no, 1,050 years before Jesus, know what had happened with the Philistines? They had coming in and taken all of Israel's weapons of war. So that now Israel could only fight with picks and shovels and a few agricultural weapons. Why? Because the enemy knows that if you leave the foe that you just subdued, the ability to replenish his weapons of war, because you didn't change his heart, you just changed his circumstances. You didn't make him a child of your God. You know he's a slave. On any given day, he will rise up and take his weapons of war and do what Israel should have done here. Watch this. What was happening when God had called Barak through Deborah to a preemptive strike against Sisera was for Israel to own their identity as the true and the living God. Do you know what that means? Here we go. All right, the Lord is calling us to war. Every family, raise your banner up. Let that flag go up over your house. Every tribe, raise your banner up. Let that banner go up over your house. Let the wind of God blow every banner in Israel so the world can know that we are God's people. Let the world know that we are ready to go to war with our adversaries because we have one God and one God alone. Let the adversary know. We are preparing for battle. We're getting out our swords. We're getting out our spears. We're getting out our battle axes. We're cleaning them up. We're sharpening them. And we're headed with Barak to the top of Mount Tabor. And we want them to know publicly, you're not just going to come in and take over. And the reason why is because we know who we are and we know whose we are. This is why I keep saying the book is about fighting the good fight of faith put on the whole armor of God, raise up your banner and let men and women know to take me, you got to kill me. But they saw no banners. They saw no banners and they saw no weapons. And Deborah's about to tell you why, because they walked in fear. They saw no banner. They saw no weapons because they walked in fear. And see, that was incrementally done by the constant nagging and progressive uh, invasion into the culture and by the corrupting principle of comfort. Over time, it makes it hard for you to pick up a weapon when you're used to prospering in the flesh. And what you're going to do is you're going to wait till things get so bad, so bad. Before you talk about running to your weapon, when you look up, somebody will have snuck in and taken your weapon. And if you do find it, you're not going to have enough faith in the heart because we weren't faithful in little things in order to be faithful in greater things. We will not pick up the sword. We will not pick up the word of God. We will not pick up the truth of the gospel. We will not pick up God's holy word, open that word, preach that word, stand on that word and let the world know the word of the Lord is right and all his works are done in truth. Cursed is the man that does not put his trust in the living God. We will not do it because they've taken the word of God out of our hearts. They've taken the word of God out of our hands and our mouth is shut because as a child of God, you have nothing to say if you're not saying what the word of God says. What power is in your own words? If you don't have the ability to go, thus saith the Lord, you have no authority over any other person. And our secular world system has trained Christians to believe that alien authorities are equal to the word of God. You know, that's true. Where well, everybody has their opinion, everybody has their view, everybody has their worldview. They do, but they're not right. And that's what the battle is. That's where the battle is. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? They do, but they're not right. Can we talk about it? See, but the way it's working today, you can't talk about it because to even talk about it is to make you an enemy. You are now an endangered species because you are willing to raise your hand and say, but what you said is wrong according to the scriptures. And don't let me get started in the litany of the list of things that are purported to be true and right today that you and I know explicitly, according to the word of God, are flat out wrong. But the Christian is not opening his mouth, her mouth, their mouth, because they love the comfort of the flesh. And that's where we are. That's where we are in our text. They chose new gods. This is going, this is why I told you a couple weeks ago, this is warfare in our homes. Husbands and wives are divided parents and children are divided utterly divided am i telling the truth right we got we got new gods in our homes gods that are telling us we can do exactly contrary to what the word of god says and we can dare people to say anything about it new gods in the home egalitarianism new gods in the home my right over your right new gods in the home no distinction between male and female New gods in the home. No no hierarchical role between husbands and wives and parents with children. Children have the right now to put their folks in jail if you look at them cross eyed New gods in the house. New gods in the house. And if they don't say it explicitly, they're saying it through their attitude. Do you see the division? God showed it to you. I can't do anything but let you know we are in that fight, including me. Look at verse 9. Judges 5, 9. My heart is toward the governors of Israel. Hallelujah. Bless this girl. Notice what she's doing. She recognizes how bad things are, but she also recognizes now that a unique event has occurred. Can I tell you what that was? Just a few men, just a few good men, just a few good men heard the call and heeded the call. Now see, see, That few good men are dealing with the juxtaposition of the vast majority of wimpy men, of cowardice men. We're going there. And when you are a few good men fighting over against the many bad men, you need encouragement. You need a mother in Israel who has the voice to stand up and say, Lord, I'm with them. My heart is with a godly man. My heart is with a godly leader. My heart is with men who are willing to stand up and hazard their lives for my soul. Lord, I am with the rulers in Israel who said it doesn't matter how few we have or how many we have. We are the children of the living God and we will stand up and fight the Lord's battles. Deborah said, let the world know I love these kind of men. Let it be said, let it be said. My heart is toward the governors of Israel that offered themselves what? They weren't asking for a check. They weren't mercenaries. They weren't saying, I'll do it if you pay me. They did it because it was intrinsic to their nature and they understood the largest social contract that God has saved them out of Egypt and brought them in as as families and as leaders. And that the, I want you to get this because it's coming up again because Deborah ain't going to stop on this note. They knew that their blessing was a consequence of the larger framework of the total integration of the society. They were blessed because they had obeyed God as good husbands, as good wives, as good children, as worshipers of the true and the living God. Didn't he say it in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and 9, if you do what I tell you, I will bless your socks off. If you do not take up the pagan gods, Deuteronomy 7 I will make you to grow and your enemies will be under your feet if you obey my word. Y'all heard it a couple weeks ago, lady. If you be willing, you will inherit the land. God always gives us the promise. So when we're not embracing and experiencing the promise, that means somebody then violated the rules. Now, since God can't lie, change, or fail, guess who it is? (laughs) My sister Deborah loved. The people of God under point number two, a departure from God. What a what a tragic reality. In my outline, I have a corruption of worship that leads to conflict in the soul. Chaos and chaos or chaotic conduct is nothing but faithlessness. I want to make sure you get that. A corruption of the worship of the true and the living God leads to conflict in your soul. Chaos and conflict are evidences of faithlessness. Do you hear me? Why? Because Romans 14, 17 tells us that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Oh, when a man or a woman is walking with God, God gives him a real peace, not a phony peace. When you and I are not walking with God, we become his enemies. He becomes our enemies. God must resist the proud. He only gives grace to the humble. This is why Deborah praised those men because they knew they were humble enough to know that they could never win this battle on their own, but they were willing to hazard their lives for God's glory. Am I making some sense? I want you to get it again. When you consider your own life and you consider the struggles and, and, and the challenges that you're dealing with, and particularly when you lose your sense of organizing principle, your set of priorities, You're called to obey God, worship God, follow God, and it doesn't become a thing of oppression to you. The commandments of God are not burdensome to those of us who know what God is up to. He's leading us out of darkness into light. He's leading us out of bondage into freedom. So his word is not a burden to us. But when the word of the Lord becomes a burden to you, you have changed God's And now you are worshiping something that is operating in contradistinction to the word of the living God. Now, here's the way, you know, you won't open that book. You will read those portions of scripture that call you, you particularly to a kind of obedience to God that nobody else has to actually account for. So people, Christians, that's what Israel did. I, I guarantee you, Israel did not read Torah or seek Torah during these days that they were in bondage. I guarantee you they were just as ignorant. This is why Hosea put it. My people perish for lack of knowledge, right? A lack of knowledge. Now, so see, when you really want to keep your organizing principle right, guess what you do? You stay in the word of God a lot. When you don't keep your organizing principle right, guess what you do? You condemn those who stay in the word of God a lot because they're cutting the lights on on you. They're cutting the lights on you. You, you, you make them legalists and self-righteous. And, but really what those people are doing is trying to learn how to be efficient in their choice making so they can walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Because all of us know the tragedy of walking in the flesh It's what we've got going on right here. Am I making some sense? All right, so it's very important for you and I to know. God bless you to walk into that truth. In my outline, you don't have an under some point C, I have a fear to pick up their weapons of war. Rejection of God's authoritative word is not picking up the weapons of war. And therefore, you have a loss of identity, no, no organizing principle, confusion of purpose. And today, God's banner is not being lifted up in the life of the Christian because the Christian is pursuing all kind of other stuff that don't have anything to do with the advancement of the gospel or the glory of God. Can I get an honest amen? Amen. Point number three in our outline because Deb wants to get on to this. Point number three, the quickening of God's duo. I love this. Look over with me at verse 12. Look at me with verse 12. I should pick up at verse 10, but I'll try to come back there because she said something. Verse 12 says, awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake. Do you see that in the Hebrew? That is a double, double idiom, a double, double idiom. Deborah is being told by God to awake, awake, Deborah. This is urgent. Now, let me help you. There are two words here that I want to highlight. One is the word awake. The other word is arise. Arise is given to Barak. Awake is given to Deborah. It is the Hebrew term, that means to be stirred up. Deborah, stir yourself up, girl. Deborah, arouse yourself out of any sleep in any area of your life where your life is threatened or because you are judging Israel, your eyes are to be set on the people of God. Awake, Deborah, and look out through the tribes of Israel and make sure that you recognize those vulnerable places that need help, wake up, Deborah, wake up, Deborah. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? That beautiful term. Literally, it means to stir yourself up, stir yourself up. Look at Deuteronomy 32:11, And this really is a call for Deborah to not only lead Israel, but to praise him for God coming through. Look at verse 32. Here it is. As an eagle does what? Wakes up her nest. Can you see it? shuffling around that nest, reorganizing that nest, cleaning out that nest, refining that nest. Y'all got that? Because she's preparing for something. So to be stirred up, to be motivated, to be aroused means that you are formally in a position that's inadequate. Don't you need stirring up, child of God? Don't you need your heart being brought to a place of being vitally enlightened and vitally aroused and vitally enthused. And so we get to ask the question, what motivates you? What drives you? What inspires you? What do you get up to do every day? And here's the final question. For the glory of God. Look at Psalm 6, Psalm 7, verse 6, rather, Psalm 7, verse 6. I'm going to give you a few more verses so we can understand the idea of arousal. Again, this is the idea, and this is a plea on the part of the people of God to ask God to do this. Notice the word arise. Y'all see it? That's our word awake. Awake, O Lord, in your anger. Do what? Lift up yourself because of the rage of mine enemies and awake for me to the judgment that you have commanded. Now Israel is asking God to arouse himself. But do you see what they're doing? They are arousing themselves to prayer. See, God will be merciful to the merciful. To the proud, God will oppose. To the man or woman that seeks God, God will seek them. Do not miss the text. You got somebody calling on God, to wake up, to rise up. Literally, it means to show yourself evidently and providentially caring about our needs. Give us a token that you're on top of this issue. Am I making sense? The God of the Bible neither slumbers nor sleeps. But it will look like that when we're walking in rebellion against God. He will back up and let you have your way. And when you pray, he will not hear you until you pray with a brokenness and urgency, having been aroused in your spirit that you need God because the enemy is so close on top of you. he's just about to take you into captivity. And if you don't cry, Abba Father, Abba Father, help me, oh God. You're going into captivity. You're going into captivity and it's happening to saints every day. I see it. Arise, oh Lord, in your anger, lift up your self because of the rage of my enemies and awake for me to the judgment that you have commanded. I love this. David is making it clear. God, I can't win a battle. The battle is yours. I need you to come through because really my enemies are your enemies. Unless I act like they're my friends, because once I act like they're my friends, they're no longer your enemies because God only saves me from my enemies. Am I making some sense? All right. One more Psalm to, to do. And this is why the captivity is so bad today. Look at Psalm 35, 23, Psalm 35, 23. I want you to hear it. Psalm 25, uh, 35, Here's another one. Stir up yourself and awake to my judgment, even unto my cause, my God and my what? Now, who's talking here? David. Did not David know something about warfare? Did he not know something about worship? Wasn't he the chief worship leader as the king of Israel? He combines both of these in his one calling, worshiping God to help him win the battle because he knew it was for God's glory. Very important here. All right, go back to our text. Notice what it says as well in verse 12. Awake, awake, Deborah, awake and utter a song. You see it? I love it. There it is. Girl, you don't need to pull out a sword. No spears for you. No Uzi's, no machine guns, no AK-47s, right? Yours is to praise God. Yours is to exalt his name. Yours is to let Israel know that God is on the march, that God has intervened, that God is in the camp. God is delivering the people of God. I wish I had time, but think about this. She's speaking from a location that has no internet and no social media for it to be shot out to the people immediately. That word has to gradually reverberate from person to person to person. And that's why you heard her talking about the man with the pen of the ready writer. Why? Because there's always historians writing down all wars. Mr. Historian, go through the tribes and let them know God has shown up and he has shown up mightily. And it's time to sing praises to the Lord God Almighty, who was faithful to deliver us from our foes. Is this making sense to you guys? This is the way to understand the text in front of us. Now look at the second part, because this is about Barak. A song, arise, Barak. Do you see it? Awake, Deborah, arise, Barak. Awake, Deborah, arise, Barak. What is the difference? Deborah is to arouse herself to sing Barak is to rise up and go. Get your butt up and go. Did y'all get that? I'm going to sing, brother. I'm going to sing. You got to go. And that's where God stirred him up. And this is where now she's going to talk about who came and who didn't come. Who heard the call of Barack, the concept of him being the light of the world. Who heard the light of the world and came and who didn't. That's where we're going right here. Beautiful, beautiful concept. There is a sub point three for me, and that is the emergence of a song in the conquest of a battle. And let me show you about this again over in verse four, uh, chapter four, verse 23 and 24. This is where I share it with you in chapter five, verse one, we have a conjunction tied to chapter four, verse 23. Now notice what it says. So God did what? Subdued on that day, Jobin, king of Canaan, before the children of Israel. You see it? That's the way it closes out. Now look at verse 24. And the hand of the children of Israel did what? And the hand of the children of Israel did what? And prevailed against Jobin, the king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jobin, king of Canaan. Do you see the turnaround? Do you see how the very enemies that had routed them for some 18 years now are completely destroyed? Is that a cause for praising God?
1: We are out of time today. We'll close our program out here and pick up where we left off next time we're together here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. We trust it was profitable in your walk and relationship with Christ. Our goal here at Way of Grace is to make sure that you are growing in Christ, that you are living a life worthy of the calling that has been placed on your life from the gospel. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, as always, you're welcome to reach out to us here at Way of Grace. Our phone number is real easy. You can reach out to us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. You can also reach us at our website, grace-bible.com. And you can email us from that website as well as find out more about us, who we are, what we believe worship opportunities. In fact, our worship opportunities are really quite simple. Sundays at 1030, we meet here at the church in Hayward. We also have a Friday evening Bible study at 630 and then a Tuesday evening prayer and Bible study at 630 as well. For more information, again, grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782. Reach out to us by mail if you want to write 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California. The zip code is 94541. As always, it's a pleasure spending time with you hearing God's Word, growing in His grace. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. I don't care what they might say, in the Jesus,